everybody. Hope you are all having a good week. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours. This week we have something special planned for you. It's what I like to call Story Time with Cassie. Oh, wow. Or less colorfully called Cassie's Testimony. <laughs> Uh, we have been spending a few episodes every quarter having a staff share, uh, staff members share their testimonies here on the show, and it has now come to Cassie to share now how she has become a paragon of personhood. You can't see his face, but he's so proud of that. I am proud of it. <laughs> And I'm kind of waiting for her to roll her eyes at me at Great. this episode. Anyway, but seriously, Cassie, thanks. Uh, for sharing with us today, and thank you for being on our staff team. It's really been uh, wonderful just having you on the team. It's hey, been, thanks. It has been. Thanks. Genuine moment right here. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear about you and how uh, you came to know the Lord um, and be called here and have our students learn more about you. Gosh, that is <laughs> a really weird sentence I wrote. Oh, man. Okay, we'll just... Now we know why I host a lot of these episodes. Yes, we do know. <laughs> we do know. Anyway, so Cassie, why don't you start off by telling us, uh, yeah, what you do here on the OSU staff team. I do a lot of things. Um, yeah, so right now I lead a core. I reach out to people. We all do that. So that's not super exciting. I guess it is exciting, but it's not like the main thing I do. I don't know. Um, I also oversee all of our tech stuff, so I'm usually in the booth on Friday nights um, helping with the sound or the lights or the slides or the Zoom call, um, as well as oversee this podcast, so I'm here a lot, um, and I also run our social media accounts, so I do a lot of things. That's kind of scratching the surface, but it's great. She does, in fact, do a lot of things. I do a lot of things. She's she's <laughs> a new staff person. She probably does she, I would say you have one of the more diverse roles on the, so. on the staff. Yeah. 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 It's been good and you've done well. Thanks. Um, hey, Cassie. So, uh, yeah, why don't you just start telling us about yourself, your life and who you are and your woes, your oh, wishes. Man. And your, what's another W word? <laughs> Wonderings. Oh, good. <laughs> and wanderings. Ha! Got ah, four W wow. words in there. Wow. Okay. Um. So because it's me, I've made a structure for myself and how I'm going to share this. So mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start with some ways that I really needed Jesus to heal my life. Um, even though I grew up in the church, there was a lot that I needed God to heal. Um, so I'll talk about that for a bit and then um, how I encountered Jesus in college and then how that has changed my life since then. So um, there's kind of a beginning, middle and end because it's a story. Um, so some ways that I needed Jesus to heal my life, um, there's like three things that I really want to highlight and I don't always get to talk about all of these with people. Um, so that's why I wanted to share them today, but I think I'll start with my family. Um, I grew up in what I would characterize as a Christian home. Um, we would go to church on Sundays. So I grew up learning about the Lord very early on in my life, um, and I was, you know, I was going to this church and it was all elderly folks, um, which was very sweet. We sang a lot of hymns. We had an organ and a piano, um, but there were no kids. So there was no youth program whatsoever. Um, I was just learning what all the adults learned. And I think that meant that I didn't totally like absorb all of the things I wanted to know or needed to know about Jesus. Um, like I knew a lot of Sunday school stories, but not a lot of like oh, actually, this is why this matters type of things. Um, and we didn't talk about it very much at home. And so um, I would say, like, I came to know the Lord at some 
in undetermined time, I don't know if I ever sat down and prayed and was like, I'm accepting Jesus today. Um, but I did choose to get baptized when I was 10. So that was kind of the, the household I was coming from. Um, and I wouldn't say that we talked about faith much as a family. Um, my, my family dynamics were kind of interesting. I had two parents who were both very different people. Um, my mom was totally an acts of service person. She loved being around the house. Her dream was to be a mom. And so that was what I, you know, I really looked up to her. I think I'm more similar to my mom in some ways. Um, and then my dad, who would work and then would come home and then he would do all the fun things. And so he would play video games with me and my sister. Um, or like I grew up watching him play EverQuest or World of Warcraft or you name it. Um, so my sister and I have this love of video games. How old games. is your dad? Uh, he's mid fifties now. So and he plays World of Warcraft. Not now, oh, but when okay. I was a kid. Oh, okay. I was like five or six or something at this time. Okay. Um, yeah, and I was always super close to my sister. Uh, we're very similar people. She's only three years younger than me. Um, and so a lot of the the family dynamics we had was like we'd go to church on Sunday. That was kind of our our family activity. And then my sister and I would spend a ton of time with my dad, and my mom would kind of be around the house. Um, and I really loved her and she like, I still love her. I shouldn't say that in past tense. Um, but yeah, you, you also said my mom was this and I was my like, mom is she is dead still now? great. She's great. I love her. Um, but she was very involved in our, in our school lives and that kind of thing. But my parents, I never saw be very affectionate toward each other. Um, and I think that affected my relationship with each of them because they were just very different. We would do different things with them. Um, and so I didn't really understand like, oh, this is like how my family looks compared to other families. And I think that was hard um, because around, actually not around, uh, the day after my 14th birthday, my dad um, was like, hey, we're going to have a family meeting instead of going to church. And we came downstairs and um, there was my mom and my dad and my sister and I, and I knew they'd had a fight the night before, but I didn't know what it was about. So they'd had a fight on my birthday. Um, and then the day after we're like sitting there and my dad's like, Hey, uh, your mom and I are going to get a divorce and I'm going to move out at the end of this week. And that's the way it is. Um, and we didn't talk about it and no reasons were given. And that was the worst week. Um, cause we were kind of just waiting for the inevitable. Um, and my family did not process that together. And so immediately after that conversation, we all kind of went into our individual rooms and uh, hung out by ourselves trying to figure out what the future was going to look like. Um, and that was really hard to go through. I think I, being 14, shut out a lot of it. Um, my sister and my mom were very emotional, very sad about what was happening. And I was like, I know my dad and I know that he has made up his mind and nothing's going to change his mind. Um, and that was hard. I think like I just accepted it and didn't process how I was really feeling. And ultimately I ended up being really angry. Um, as more things came to light, we, we realized my dad had been doing some things that really hurt my mom, um, for a couple of years and she hadn't known <laughs> until, um, all of this started happening. And so, that was just really hard. And I think I really held it against my dad and also my mom for taking things as hard as she did. She was very much like, man, I'm a Christian, like divorce is wrong. Um, I don't want this. And my dad was like, I'm out. <laughs> so um, that was really hard. And it, 
it changed the way I related to each member of my family. I became very protective of my sister, um, especially emotionally. I didn't want her to ever feel hurt by either of her parents. Um, with my mom, I kind of, I think I lost trust for her at that time because um, she had been sort of this rock for me. And then she was so sad, understandably so, um, that I just was like, I can't lean on her anymore. Um, and with my dad, I became very angry. Um, I was hoping for him to apologize or to own up to some of his mistakes, and he just didn't um, and wouldn't acknowledge like, hey, this is really, he would say things like, hey, I know you guys have been really hurt by this, but I didn't see him trying to empathize with us very much. Um, so I carried that into uh, my school life and didn't really process it with my friends. And I really loved public school, actually. <laughs> so this is kind of the, uh, the other way I needed God to change my life, but maybe not Was what people would to expect. hate public school? No, 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 no. I loved school. I think I needed... I, I would have totally been fine with you saying that. <laughs> No, public school is great. I actually have no complaints about public school. Um, I think, though, it warped my view of myself. Um, and I had always been someone who loved school. It came very naturally to me. Um, I think I wrote on my paper here, uh, I was the smart perfectionist workaholic who did everything. Um, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, school was where I invested because I didn't really have a lot of relational investments to do at home. Um, so I loved my friends. I had a great group of friends all through public school. I went to the one district my whole life um, until I went to college. And so it was really easy to just form those connections there and invest there. Um, when I was graduating, I'm, I'm going to share this and it's going to sound like I'm being very prideful, but um, actually it's just a picture of who I was. Um, so like when I graduated, I was involved in six well i had done six ap classes i was in five clubs i was a leader in four of those so i was like running the organization in some way um and then oh gosh what else i was valedictorian i was student speaker at graduation got two like student of the year awards like that was the kind of person i was um and so i think that had warped my view of myself not in the sense that like I wanted achievement or I wanted people to appreciate me for those things. Um, I was just really used to it. And I was really used to being well-liked and having a lot of friends. And I'm like, man, you know, I love school. College is going to be easy. Um, it really set me up actually to fail in college because I expected all of these things to continue. I was like, man, I'm really motivated. Like, I love people. College is going to be easy, you know. Um, and that transition just wasn't. <laughs> and so um, my view of myself changed a lot when I went to college because um, suddenly I wasn't surrounded by all the structure that I'd ever had. And um, I kind of crashed and burned. Like the classes were easy, but my social life was non-existent. Um, and suddenly I was, I was taken out of this environment that was really safe and um, really supportive. And now here I am and I have like no friends <laughs> and it was really hard. Um, so my, my college life changed a lot because um, I had a Christian roommate and she is wonderful, um, but she had been from that city. And so she already had her own group of friends. And right when we moved in, her dad passed away from cancer, I think, um, which was just so sad. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how do I support this person I barely know? Um, 
And ultimately, I, I don't think I really played that role in her life. And I'm kind of sad about it, actually, in retrospect. I wish I had done a better job of being a friend to her. I just didn't know how to mm-hmm. help. Um, and so she spent a lot of time at home with her mom and her sister. Um, and I spent a lot of time alone. And there would be periods for a few weeks where I would just not talk to anyone outside of my classes. And I would live in my room alone. And that's what I did. Um, and so even like early on in college, I had a real sense of like, I am isolated, I'm alone. Um, I have some friends in the theater department, that's what I was studying, um, but not like close friends. Uh, there was this kind of, there was a group that was forming of people that I would spend time with, but they valued different things than me. I still had a sense of like, oh, Christians don't drink and they don't party and all of these things. Um, which kept me really separated from this group that was forming that really enjoyed doing those things. And so here I was, I'm like kind of trying to do my own thing. Um, And in that I met this guy, which was not what I needed at that time. Um, And he was in that group as well. We were doing a Christmas Carol together, uh, this musical that I was in my first term of college. Um, And we started dating really without talking about it, without having any kind of define the relationship conversation. Uh, We were just hanging out and liked each other. And um, so that happened uh, without actually having some defined relationship. And that was not good for me. It's easier to see in retrospect how much of an idiot I was (laughs) in like uh, doing this first thing in college. Um, But I do, you know, I have some grace for myself. Like I was really lonely and I really wanted to have a friend. and so I was kind of with this guy for like two-ish years. There was one breakup in there, but uh, we quickly got back together. And it wasn't healthy. Um, I was giving him a lot of emotional support, partly because of some mental health issues that he'd been struggling with for a long time. Um, and I was just really scared, ultimately, of losing this one person that I had. Um, like, this was the only person I was spending time with. And so I'm like, oh, no, if we talk about what our relationship is, we could break up and then I have no one. Um, And I was really afraid of that. And so I think even where I was a very confident person most of the time, I just was so unwilling to do that, um, that it really hurt me in the end because we were on different pages about how serious it was and um, what our relationship should look like. Um, We also at that time would have both said we were Christian, but weren't really pursuing our faith. So that's something that Um, I carry a lot where I'm like talking to people who are like interested in dating. And I'm like, man, if you say you're a Christian, if they say they're a Christian, that's not enough. Like you need to look for the fruit in their lives of, is that actually true? What do they actually think about God? Um, Because I've been burned by that. And I'm like, ah, don't make my mistake again. That's awful. Um, Gosh, there's so much to talk about in that. Um, I think the other thing I would say is there were situations where I was uncomfortable with where the relationship was going, and I didn't speak up about that either. Um, So that's something that I've learned a lot from of like, it's better to have the conversation that seems awkward um, and talk about boundaries or talk about like, hey, I have this concern about this relationship um, than to be having that conversation after something bad has happened. And so take that from my story. (laughs) Don't make my mistakes. Um, Ultimately, that that relationship ended, and I believe God ended it, actually. He broke up with me via text, which is not great. 
um, over the summer. Oh, that's, <laughs> it was that's, not great. No. It was not a good feeling. Um, no. And that was right before my junior year. So that was like, I was like the middle of my college experience. And it was just so horrible because I'm like sitting at home and I'm like, school is my safe haven. Like, what the heck am I going to do now that I don't have any friends and I don't really know anyone? And this has always been where I felt comfortable and loved and safe. And now I don't. Um, so that was probably the low point, but that brings me to like talking about Jesus. So that's good. <laughs> Any thoughts so far, Nathan? <laughs> yeah. What, why don't you tell us about uh, Jesus and how that happened? Yeah. Um, ironically out of that breakup. So that is the good part, right? Like God saw me in that place where I was really lonely and isolated and freaking out. Um, and that's where he met me. So I, I sort of had to hit that low point to realize I needed him. Um, and I absolutely believe that he used that in a good way to make me or to help me become more committed in my faith early on um, when I finally turned to him. So here I am. I've just gotten this breakup text. Um, and I'm like, this sucks. Like, this is not how I want this to end. And so I text the guy back and I'm like, hey, can we talk in three days? And we'll have a real conversation about this. You've given me no reasons for this. I'm not happy. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was freaking out. <laughs> Way to incentivize him to talk I to you. so bad. Um, no, that, that's yeah. justified. That's I was justified. Like, I, want, I want to have a real conversation no, yeah, and I not just that. have this end this way. No, and so, I, I, I get that. I'm just good. saying, <laughs> telling you guys, like, I am not happy is not going to. I didn't say that. Yeah. 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 I was nice. Um, yeah. So I had these three days of like trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about to get some closure. I think I knew at that point I wanted closure because that was something I'd never really gotten from mm -hmm. my family situation. I'm like, I, I don't want that. And so here I am, I'm taking these three days and I didn't lean on anyone. Um, I didn't tell anyone that this had happened. Um, I was living with my mom and my sister and we didn't talk about it. Um, and I was just, like crying a lot. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Um, and so uh, it's Saturday, so it's three days later. We're going to talk later that afternoon. Um, and my mom, my sister, and I go to the mall, and we're sitting in this food court eating Panda Express, which is still amazing. I still love Panda Express. Um, and I got this fortune cookie. And for the record, I hate fortune cookies. I think they're so dumb. I think that they don't actually, you know, they're not real fortunes. Often they're not even real compliments. They're just like, this is a generic happy thing that you should read. Um, okay, but this one was different. And so I open it up and I read it and I'm like, God is speaking to me right now. Um, and I believe 100% that was the Holy Spirit just being like, hey, this is God. Don't question it. Um, here I am. And so what it said was, a change of heart will bring back what is lost. And I was looking at it and I'm like, God's not talking about this guy I've been dating. God's talking about me and I'm super lost right now. And I need to have a change of heart or this isn't going to change. Um, and so I was thinking about that, reflecting on that um, and brought that into this conversation with this guy. I've <laughs> managed to talk him into being like, hey, uh, so God spoke to me and I think this was for both of us and we should like pray. Maybe God wanted us to break up so that we could come to know him. Um, and so <laughs> I talked this guy into praying like every day for the next three weeks, um, which was crazy. Uh, I can't believe he did it, but uh, that's what we did. And so um, I was like, okay, like we're going to make peace with this, but maybe God wants us to seek him. 
And so I did that. And in that, I sensed God calling me back into Christian community, um, which I'd never really had. I'd never been around people my age that I actually knew um, who were pursuing Jesus, or at least in that setting. I had a ton of Christian friends in high school, but it wasn't like I'm in a youth group or I'm in a place where I'm actually learning how to grow in faith. And so God called me into that. Um, and that's what led me to Chi Alpha, ultimately. Um, I had met one person in the year before who was in Chi Alpha and had invited me. And I was like, I don't have time for that. Um, I'm a theater major. But instead, I was like, okay, God really wants me to do this. That means giving up a lot of theater things um, because the, the schedules just conflict too much. And so ultimately, that was the choice I made. I was like, I'm sacrificing this thing that's part of my major um, and something that I really love doing in order to pursue my relationship with God. Um, and I think I was just so desperate <laughs> that I was ready to do that. Um, so I jumped in and I started doing everything. I was that kid who's like, I'm just so excited to be here. Um, and I, I remember walking in the first night. That, um, we met on Friday nights and I walked in by myself. No one had invited me or anything. I just walked in and I'm like, I'm going to go meet people. Um, and immediately people came up to me and they're like, Hey, we're excited. You're here. Would you come sit with us? Like, we want to get to know you. Um, and I, I remember how much they cared about me and how much they wanted to help me know Jesus and know them. And that was so striking because I hadn't experienced that in two years. Um, like I had been sitting out, <laughs> you know, like eating in the dining halls and every once in a while, someone would come up to me and they're like, Hey, we're doing this survey on like, uh, what do you think about faith? And I remembered like, wow, that was a moment when I was seen, but that was so rare. Um, and so that was huge for me because I finally had people who cared. Um, and so we started spending a lot of time together. <laughs> I went to our fall retreat that year. Um, I remember like I had grown up in a Baptist church where we kind of never talked about the Holy Spirit. And uh, my mom had explained the Holy Spirit as your conscience, like your conscience who tells you what's what's good and bad. Um, and I think she gave me that explanation when I was five. So that was probably like a good explanation for a five-year-old. Mm. Um, but I, I had just taken that and run with it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what the Holy Spirit is. Um, and we're talking at this fall retreat like, oh, there's like the Spirit wants to do things. <laughs> and the Spirit is a person. And... Um, hey, by the way, there's this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you can experience that. I'm like, what is that? Like, I have no idea. I'm so confused. Um, so I heard about that Friday night, and then Saturday there was a Q&A time um, talking about, like, what the heck is this? And so I went, and I remember I'm just, like, listening, and they're giving all these biblical explanations of what it is, and I'm like, okay, that's in the Bible. Like, I don't know why I didn't learn that, about that growing up. Um, and I just felt like I should stay afterward. And ultimately we ended up praying that day and I did experience, um, being baptized in the spirit. And finally I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. Like I've been sensing God calling me to get baptized. And that's so confusing because I, I had been baptized in water when I was 10. Um, and it felt like this was the thing that God wanted for me finally. And so that, that night I like, prayed for people. I had never done that before. Um, and I was so excited to learn about Jesus and to make whatever sacrifice was necessary. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Um, I'm going to do the things that God calls me to. And 
sometimes that's going to mean getting uncomfortable. And now I feel ready to do that. Um, so for me, uh, actually experiencing more of the spirit was huge for me continuing to trust God and to see that there was more that he had for me. Um, yeah. So within 24 hours that had happened after I learned about it and I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, let's go. Um, so that was really cool. I think I, I needed to see God reach out to me in a way that I could, man, understand. I didn't understand it. Maybe that's the wrong word. Um, but I, I think I had a sense that God was working and that he wanted to do some things, but I didn't have any, ta- any like tangible evidence of God is changing my life. And finally I did. Um, and that was really meaningful for me. So um, I just continued to trust him. And every time I had a feeling I should do something, which I now realize was the Holy Spirit speaking, um, I did it. <laughs> and um, that meant going on a mission trip which I shared about in a sermon a few weeks ago, um, where I realized like I needed to trust God with uh, my career and with what he wanted me to do. And I think I felt a real shift after that of, man, I love reaching people. I love talking about God. This is all I want to be doing. Um, I don't want to go to class. Like I want to go talk to people about Jesus. Um, And there was this real shift that happened where my priorities became, I'm in college not to get a degree, but to follow Jesus. And that was so good. I think I needed to realize there was more to this time that I'd been spending. And and even the things I'd been studying were pointing me back to Jesus. So this was good. (laughs) Um, I think because of the ways that God met me and then um, ultimately later called me into leadership and reaching women and um, reaching people who were in communities that like other Christians weren't able to reach, but I was around like the theater community, like all these people that I really cared about. Um, I think God showed me a lot about his character and about how he strategically places us and then reaches us where we're at and then has goals for us there and hopes for us there. Um, So that was really important to me. I think my view of myself ended up changing. I realized my purpose was to be faithful and not perfect. Um, and ultimately to point others to Jesus. Um, I remember when I was asked to be a Corfa, I was talking with um, someone on staff and I was like, I have not read the Bible. Like, I don't know how to counsel people through anything. Why would you choose me? Um, She's like, you don't actually need to have any of the answers. Like, you just need to point people to Jesus and help them like be equipped to do that. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. I can stand here with the road sign that points up. And so that was really helpful, I think, in thinking about, okay, what is my role? My role is not to be this perfect person or to take care of everyone um, or to feel responsible for everything, but point people to Jesus. Um, And that's going to manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but it's ultimately going to be good because it serves him and glorifies him. Um, I found new spiritual friendships which I really needed. I really needed some gal friends in college. Um, And ultimately, because of those people who reached out to me right when I came in, um, I ended up leaving college with a lot of friends who I still, like, talk to often and love. And I know they pray for me and support me. Um, 
I actually, in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to have a reunion of my second core, which was like 18 people. We're going to meet over Zoom, and I'm so excited about it because um, I still know all of them, and I know, you know, they're doing great things in ministry, and I'm so excited to hear all the stories from that. Um, so I'm really grateful to God for bringing um, ladies into my life who were supportive and helped me to grow as a leader. Um, my family, like my view of my family changed. Um, and I think that's still in process, <laughs> like a lot. Um, but I realized that I am not responsible for my mom and my sister. Like I'm not their parent. Um, I think that was a tendency I, I tended to have of like, especially when I came to faith, oh gosh, now like I'm the person who needs to help them see Jesus and all of these things. And um, I carried a lot of weight for them. Um, that was unhealthy, ultimately, that God wasn't asking me to carry. He's like, you need to pray for them, and you need to trust me with them. But it's not all on you, and it's not about you, ultimately. So you need to trust me with that. Um, with my dad, I think that was a lot harder. I, I was always hoping that he would be the one to bridge the gap in our relationship. I think I was holding him to the standards that I now had from my Christian friends of like, hey, you initiate reconciliation when you've hurt someone and you go and make it right and you ask for forgiveness, all these things. And um, I really wanted that from my dad. And I waited for that for a really long time. Um, and I finally had this realization of that's not realistic. He's not doing what God has asked him to do. Um, and I can't hold him to the same standards in some ways of, of the people, like then the people that are Christians and are pursuing Jesus and um, who are living that way. And so I realized I can't ask that of my dad. I can't get the closure that I wanted. Um, and I, I had to go on a journey to really accept that and to trust that that was okay um, and to pray for him to know Jesus, of course, um, but also just to, to like, heal, <laughs> right? Um, people do things that hurt others because they've been hurt. Um, and I, I had to learn that I couldn't expect that from my dad, but I could expect that from people who love Jesus as much as I did. Um, and so I, I started to find peace in that, like, last year. <laughs> so it took a long time. Um, and actually, I think one of the reasons that I, I came to realize, like, oh, that's something I've been holding on to and it's something I need to let go of, ultimately, um, was because I had this great conversation with Trent, actually. Um, he came to me in, like, December and was like, hey, here's the thing that I did. Um, I shouldn't have done it, and I'm sorry because it hurt you. Um, and he owned it, and he asked for forgiveness, and... Um, like clearly it had really bothered him that he'd done this thing. Um, and because of that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to forgive you right now. Like, not just cause I like you, but also because like, <laughs> it helps though. It did help. It did help. <laughs> um, but for real, like that's what I've always wanted. Like I've always wanted someone to come to me and say something like that. And you're the first person who ever has. Um, and I think in that I realized, oh my gosh, like this is what the kingdom of God is. Like, we have that hope for reconciliation with people. Um, and we don't have that outside the kingdom. Um, and so that was a big deal for me. 
I think because of that conversation, I, I went into counseling and that's where I started exploring a lot of the stuff with my dad and how I still feel, felt about him and ultimately was able to say, you know, I, I can release my dad from these expectations that aren't realistic. Um, and I can love him through that. Like I, I learned a lot um, about how to love him even when those expectations weren't met. And then ultimately to say, actually, the loving thing is to not hold this against him anymore. Um, so I've learned a lot about how our values shape the way we relate to people and what it looks like to love people who are different from you and make different choices than what you would want for them. Um, yeah, I think Trent is great. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about him because that would be fun. And we also just did a dating podcast, but, um, my view of dating did change a lot also because of dating Trent and realizing like, Hey, we have this shared mission and these shared values and those things are really important. And that's going to affect how deep we can actually go in our relationship and how much we can trust each other. So Trent is great. And he's totally helped me heal in the way that I view dating and the way that I go about it too. I think it's a lot healthier, which is great. Um, yeah, I'm still growing in all of those things. Healing takes time. It's not a light switch. Uh, it's not like Jesus comes into your life and everything's fixed. So that's not that's not the simple pat answer. But um, I'm really grateful for the steps that I've been able to take because of him in these last, gosh, like three and a half years. It's a short period of time. Um, but I think I'm learning a lot about like trusting that God is working in like behind the scenes and it's not all on me and I'm not responsible for the people in my life. Um, but I can love them well and I can pray for them well and I can trust God with them without having to control everything myself and, and rely only on myself. So that's really good. So I think if I had to summarize, I mean, God's taught me a lot of different things. Um, but I think one that I'd really want people to hear from my story is that God wants to heal you from broken relationships. Um, and sometimes that means the restoration of those relationships to exactly what God wants them to be. Sometimes it's like, hey, you know, you can love this person who's hurt you. Um, and it's not going to look exactly what you hope for or expect, but um, it's still going to be good. I have a relationship with my dad. I have relationships with my mom and my sister, and I'm happy with where those are at um, right now. And I feel at peace because of the work that God has done in my life and not because he's changed them, but because he's changed me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think in that too, God does want to bring good, healthy relationships into your life. Um, like I needed girlfriends <laughs> in, in college, um, and God brought me some really amazing people who I still connect with and get to love. Um, so he wants to help you find peace from the past hurts, but also to give you people who are going to help you grow and support you and love you in all of the ways that you need. He wants to meet that need in your life. Um, yeah, he took me from this place of desperation and loneliness and isolation and he's given me so much since then. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't be where I am now if I hadn't trusted him. So trust God. He won't let you down. That was great, Cassie. Thanks. I'm really glad. Good job, God. I'm really glad you're here. Me and, too. Um, I'm glad that, you know, something I just hear in your testimony is like this transformation that happens out of like forgiveness mm-hmm. um, and how that changes um it's forgiveness is something that can transform the other person, but it is 
meant to always be transformative of the person offering mm. the forgiveness. Yeah. I think. Um, and it's oftentimes a, it's oftentimes the necessary agent of healing in order for that. But I, you know, even as you're talking, I can, you guys probably can't see this. Like she's talking about her dad and there's still like hurt. I can see in there. And, and like, I think that's normal. It's for forgiveness to take time. Um, it's not like a one-time choice either. It's a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Cassie. Um, you didn't have any other closing thoughts, did you? No, nope. no. That's okay, that's it. Cool. Good job, God. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, God. So, thank you, Cassie. Uh, I've loved hearing about your relationship with the Lord. If you are listening and heard anything that really spoke to you, I know that Cassie would love to talk to you more about it, or at mm-hmm. the very least, give her a thank you uh, when you see her. Again, hope you have a great week. You all have a great week. And if you have any topic suggestions, please contact us at. Us, uh, <laughs> us in person or email us at social at OregonStateXA.com. Mm. We'll see you all later. Mm.